Do you like pop culture? I do. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you, Andrew. Oh. If you enjoy movies, television, all that kind of stuff, uh, we have a lot of fun on Sif Pop Podcast, part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. So you can come check us out every week. You can listen live or just download it to your podcast feed. Every single week, Aaron breaks down the newest movies that are big in theaters, and I make funny noises. <laughs> you could probably pick one of those that you would like. You can join us every weekend live by looking at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA, or you can find us in your podcast player a preference by searching for Sift Pop. Recorded live. You know, at the time of uh, recording. You're listening to the Hot Takeout Podcast, the only podcast with a 30 minutes or less guarantee, or it's free. And now your host, Chad Bradley. Can I take your order? Welcome to another brand new edition, as of this recording, episode of the Hot Takeout Podcast, part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find your favorite podcast at Spreaker.com forward slash Studio DNA. And also, as of this recording, coming up soon, there's going to be some giveaways, free stuff that you could win just for following Hot Takeout Podcast on social media. So find, follow, be in the know about giveaways. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but it will have to do with both food and music because that's what this podcast is about, FYI. And if you're listening to this podcast decades later, still try to find us on social media if it still exists. Social media, of course, not the podcast, because it'll always be around. This week, my guest, hip-hop rap artist Peabod, were known by his Christian given name, Isaac Peabody. Phenomenal artist, funny dude, all-around nice guy. And this is part 1.5 of the conversation. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you taking some time out on a tax day of all days to, you know, I'm sure you were yes. really excited to do your tax today and you're like, oh, I got to do this podcast. <laughs> I actually was pretty on top of my taxes this year, so I'm brushing off my shoulder right now. You can't see it, but I was quite proud of myself for, for doing it earlier this year. I don't do that anymore. I can't, I can't, it's too stressful to yep. think about it. So also I have kids. So I'm mm. like, Ooh, if I can get any money to pay for diapers, this is going to be great. So we take that like January 15th. If I have my stuff, I'm like, I'm doing my taxes now. Oh yeah. That's awesome. That's the way to do it for sure. Yeah. So we've been disappointed for a while is basically kind of what I'm getting at. <laughs> oh man. Um, so seriously, uh, appreciate you being here. Do you, um, this being a food slash music slash podcast thing uh do you have any food restrictions anything you're allergic to anything you just can't have or won't have maybe yeah i i have a very sensitive stomach actually so i i can't do any gluten whatsoever i'm very allergic to gluten i'm pretty sensitive to most dairy items so like especially just like milk and cream and ice cream and that kind of stuff cheese is like a little bit more okay and then uh some shellfish and seafood I can't do that's usually more on like crab and shrimp and stuff will mess me up and like super raw sushi I can't do unfortunately because my fiance loves all things sushi so yeah so there's a lot that I have to that I have to avoid unfortunately well I will say this um differences in uh, in relationships aren't bad so you, you said fiance when are, when are you guys getting married uh this summer yeah in just a few months here Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate that. No ice cream, no shellfish, no sushi at the yep, wedding. Exactly. Exactly. No bread. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Is that like just for you or just the guests? Because you, you really are on par for having like one of the worst weddings ever. <laughs> yeah, it would, it would mostly be just for me. Luckily, there's like there's quite a few dishes you can prepare that are like, I don't know, that don't have any of those allergens that are still pretty good. You know, we're doing kind of your classic chicken and potatoes and veggies and that kind of stuff. And you can do a lot of that without even having to remove anything. I think that's what we're going to do. We probably will have like an actual cake for people who aren't allergic to gluten and then like a little one for me. <laughs> Man, that's just uh well the nice thing is that's your own your own cake that no one else gets to touch. This is like Yes. I mean wedding this cake in general is special, but there's a lot of guests at a wedding. That's very very true. I'm excited to have my own cake. Yeah. <laughs> Not even for you, wife. Um no, I was going to say a second ago, one of the benefits of having things that are liking things that your spouse doesn't like. So in your situation, you said your wife likes sushi, but you you don't like it and you mm -hmm. can't have it. Yep. So for me, if we go out to eat, if I go out to eat with my wife, every time I'm getting Dr. Pepper to drink because she can't stand it and I don't like to share. Yes, that's perfect. That's brilliant. So she'll go, can I have a sip of that? Because she orders water and then she'll go, can I have a sip? And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, babe. It's it's Dr. Pepper. <laughs> And I get all, all more for me. Wow. It's life. At, it's literally don't, don't tell this. I can't, I'm, I might delete this from the podcast, but I don't <laughs> tell anybody I told you that. That's my, my happy wedding bliss advice to you. Yep. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> I will keep that in mind secretly. Of course. I'm gonna make it up as I go. I'm a PBS kid that got grown. Hold up. Where did my summer break go? Somebody, anybody tell me what I need to know. Wait, I got a pay student loans. Oh, pay my own bill for my phone. Oh, Come up with rent on my own? Oh, any chance I can leave this alone? Oh. I don't think I took a class for this. All my friends are barista as an activist. Never took a test or checked off a list to be a grown-up. I just took a shot and missed. And now I'm stuck in the middle feeling weird. I'm like a kid but can kind of grow a beard. But I don't want to work if it ain't my dream career. I am pseudo-independent. I don't need a puppeteer. Shoot from the hip. Shoot from the hip. All I do is shoot from the hip. I got no idea, got no clue. So you know what, Jess? Shoot from the hip. So you and I have uh, kind of an, an affinity, I think that's the right word, for John Foreman. Yes, absolutely. I feel like he's the kind of guy that writes songs for like situations I haven't gone through yet. And then I go through that situation. I'm like, oh, 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 oh this is what he was talking about in that one song from that one time. So you, Dude. so tell me about just kind of your, like, are you to the, the point of like sending him a cup of your blood fandom or your, cause I'm there. <laughs> like I've, I sent him a lock of, of my hair before. Are you, <laughs> are you, are you to that place of your fandom with, with him? Honestly, probably. Uh, I knew someone who like found his house in like San Diego and went and like stole sand from it and kept it in a Ziploc bag. And I'm like, I would absolutely do that. So I don't know where that falls on like the blood spectrum. Pretty much like if it's related to John Foreman and it's like, will you do this thing for him or to get his attention? It's probably a very strong chance I'd say yes. Well, I had the uh, the distinct privilege a few weeks ago to get a VIP to the Switchfoot Colony House tour that they're out on. Oh, that's awesome. So they're like, oh, it's this big meet and greet. Like, make sure you're back by the merch table, 730. And I'll go back there. And then they go into like the curtain room and I'm like following this guy around and it's super cool. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go get the guys. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, John Foreman. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, uh, super excited to hang out with Tim and Chad, 
but John and the other guys never came out. And like, those guys are cool, but that's, I mean, if you were to go to a a switchfoot show and it was just Tim and Chad, you'd be like, I want my money back. Yeah. Now, granted, I didn't pay for the VIPs, so I'm certainly not upset, but it was just one of those like, all right, cool. John's too good for me. So I did, I did Uh, cry myself to sleep that, that night. So enough about me. I feel like I'm talking about me a lot. Uh, No, it's great. Tell me about your, your story. How how old are you? You're, you're a young man. Yeah. I'm 25. 25. So mid, mid young man, you're, you're, you're old enough to be held responsible for a lot of terrible things, but young enough to still make a lot of mistakes, I think is. Yep. That's correct. (laughs) 25. How long have you been in music? What, what's your, give me your quick synopsis. How did you get to where you are now? Sure. Um, so I grew up taking piano lessons, but when I was like 12 in like middle school, I picked up the bass guitar and I was like, this is a rock instrument. I'm going to be in a rock band. And <laughs> that that's really kind of when the dream of like doing music as a career kind of took hold. Um, I didn't really know what, but I, I just wanted to be in a band and, and make angsty punk alt songs. I thought I was way more of a alt kid than I actually was. I still listen to, you know, all sorts of Taylor Swift records and stuff like that. But sure, I like to sure. think I was, you know, street cred, real hardcore and into the emo stuff. So was super into alt rock growing up through middle school and high school, learned guitar, started writing songs in high school. But as my tastes kind of started expanding and as I started writing more, it, I kind of landed in folk music. So I was writing a lot of folk music. I put out two EPs independently while I was in college, but I had been listening to a ton of hip hop the whole time. And I was really excited about, I mean, a lot of my favorite artists were were becoming rappers instead of just folk groups. And so I was making beats on the side just for fun. And sometimes I'd write a rap for fun, but I was never like, oh man, I'm going to be a serious rapper. Like that wasn't I just thought no one would ever take me seriously if I was like, I'm going to be a hip hop artist. Yeah. But then I, I live in this house with uh, with four other guys right now. And one of them, my roommate, Jake, who actually films a lot of my videos, he was like, you should write a song about Fletcher, who's another roommate. And I started writing the song, put out Summer of Fletcher. And that was the first actual song I did as Peabod. And that one song got like way more feedback than like any of the folk (laughs) stuff that I put out, which, you know, like that had received positive feedback too, but it was like, it got way more traction on social media, at least for my standards at the time. And I had more of my musician friends come up to me and go like, you should do more of this. And so I, <laughs> I started you out mad? being, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Did that make you mad? Cause you're like, I did two, two projects out and like a different <laughs> thing where you put a lot of heart and soul. And then you're like, I'm just screwing around. Here's a song about my roommate. And everybody's like, yep. yes, yes, that do more of that. And you're like, well, screw you guys. Yep. That's definitely how I felt at first. Cause like there are a few people after that song who told me like, oh, you should do a mixtape. And I was like, man, forget that. Like, that's not my thing. But then like some musicians that I respect that are in my circle were like, Hey, you should actually like think about this. I was like, fine. And so originally I was going to do like a satirical hip hop project that it was just going to be totally making fun of the genre. (laughs) I love that. I want to hear that. (laughs) And the thing is, I'm not actually like that sarcastic of a person. I'm pretty sincere. So when I started writing the intro for the album, I mean, I can be sarcastic, but my go to is sincerity. And so when I started writing the intro, it ended up being this really sincere, like, oh, this is just kind of lighthearted and fun. And that's when it kind of clicked for me where I was like, oh, maybe I don't have to worry about 
being taken seriously. Like maybe that's not the point. Maybe I just make a project that's just for fun, just for me, that's kind of focused on joy. And so it kind of evolved into that. And I made the album Healthy Snacks by myself for fun and release it independently. And within a month, I was in Nashville talking to Centricity and uh, <laughs> figuring out if we wanted to sign a record deal. So that was a whole crazy, weird process. But they have been super wonderful to me. So I'm really grateful things worked out the way they did. I feel like on one hand, you should be incredibly mad at everybody, the the world. And uh, just because they're <laughs> like, all this stuff that you really tried hard on is meh. But then this thing that you're just kind of just messing around with, not taking it seriously, is really good, and you should go farther. It's like no, I'm I want to do these deep abstract paintings, but you're do, I'm doing cartoons, and yep. <laughs> and that's where I'm making the money. That's that's ridiculous. Not to compare rap and what you do to to like drawing cartoons, but just that like the the in, the intent of what you're trying to do beforehand, sure. real like yep. super serious, like intentional, and now not intentional just having fun, enjoying it. And this is the thing that I'm good at. So I think you have mm -hmm. permission to be mad at everybody is what I'm getting <laughs> at. I, I think I would be mad if I didn't also just enjoy making hip hop so much. Cause, and you know, like I said, the more I started writing, the more it did become sincere to me. So I feel like now, now that I'm writing more and we're thinking about like the next album, it's kind of like, how do, how do I blend those worlds? Not to do not genre wise, but like content wise, where I'm still talking about things that I really care about and also holding this kind of voice I've developed as Peabod. That's like the lighthearted fun thing, um, like doing those together because it, it's all it's all me, you know, just I mean, just like my name, like I was releasing stuff under Isaac Peabody and that's still me. So figuring out how that blends with the Peabody music, because I don't think that it's actually I've, I've messed around with it a little bit and it's not as difficult as I thought it was going to be so and in some ways too you know here's the you know you were saying earlier like it might get deep but <laughs> uh not on right. purpose but i'll take it there i think in some ways too i'm i'm grateful that it's evolved this way because i think in my brain with folk music i had a pretty specific idea of like this is this is the space that i want to occupy in Christian or in, in music in general. I wasn't even sure I wanted to go into Christian music. I think I had this kind of arrogant idea that I was going to be a songwriter that was a Christian, but it would be a bigger impact if I was like a secular artist who's also Christian. It's like this kind of very specific and yet vague plan <laughs> that I had come up with. Um, yeah. And, and some of, and some of that was prideful. And so it's kind of funny to me, like looking back now, because I mean, from the beginning, I it's been clear to me that like God has his own ideas for what he wants to do with the hip hop music. And if that means like we put out one more album and that's it, I'm still so grateful that he's doing what he wants. I haven't been able to claim any part of this journey is like this is what I was really trying to do or like like the dream was to to sign to a record label and to do music. But at the same time this looks so different than what I expected. And that has been kind of a grace in a lot of ways, because I feel like it's been a little easier for me to hold it loosely and to kind of go, oh, okay, well, I guess he has a different idea than what I intended and to yeah. kind of make it up as we go. So yeah, so I guess for all those reasons, 
it's kind of just been a really fun ride. <laughs> I mean, there's been there's been ups and downs for sure. And definitely a moment where I was like, what the heck, guys? Like, I like this folk music. Like, <laughs> and, you know, those people weren't like we hated your old stuff. They were still at at the folk shows and supporting. But but yeah, it's like I feel I feel really excited about everything now. So it's definitely it's definitely fun. You should put out a folk project where you feature yourself. Where you, yes, you're, you're like going back and forth. Okay, I'm just saying, I want in on the cut of the profits of that. So you heard it here first on the Hot Takeout podcast. This is a brilliant idea. Isaac Peabody Perfect. doing folk music, sampling and featuring Peabody. It's brilliant. Perfect. It's right there. Perfect. I just made you so much money. Dude, so much money. <laughs> Let me, uh, send me a screenshot of your bank account. Um, no, going forward, uh, I, I, no, I think um, just to touch back on what you just said a second ago about, it's funny because I'm the kind of person that when I got into radio and broadcasting and whatever, I didn't really want to go into Christian broadcasting. I didn't want to be like a Christian because I think there's a certain level of without being too offensive to Christian entertainment, I think there's a level of, oh, it's easy to make it in Christian entertainment and not in mainstream. You look at Christian movies mm-hmm. specifically, not many are going to win an Oscar. And I don't yep. say that meanly, but they all have kind of a, a storyline that they have to follow because it's a faith-based film. They're all kind of predictable. It's, it's mm-hmm. just what it is. You can't be like, oh man, this guy didn't get saved. Oh, didn't see that coming. Right, right. But so like, I, th- I think for me, like going into the Christian, and I'm going to put in air, air quotes, Christian entertainment, I think there's this reservation that am I doing it because I can't make it anywhere else? Or am I doing it because I truly believe that what I'm doing is a part of what God wants for me and a part of making a difference? And am I making it better? Because what I want to do, and I'm sure this is what you want to do. It's, it's like, I want to make whatever I'm in better. I want to, yeah, I want to grow it. I want to be a part of it. I want it to go further than it was. I don't want to leave it where it was at. I just don't want to like walk up next to a group of people and like, Hey, yeah, we're doing this together. I want to make it better. And I'm sure I haven't in a lot of ways, but I hope to push it Mm -hmm. forward in some ways. But I think there's a reservation when it comes to talking about, you know, even just, just joining Christian entertainment. I think there's a concern that it's easier to do that than, than to be in mainstream. And I'm not completely sure that that's actually the case. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting point because I feel like, I feel like anything creative whether it's music or film or radio or whatever, there are always kind of like, you know, there's trends and I don't know, these different mediums get stuck in ruts, like in hip hop music, not just Christian hip hop music, like trap is the big thing right now. And that's awesome, but there's going to be a new style that evolves that we have to keep up with. And so I think, I think what's interesting though, is like the people who I'm excited about Christian or not, are the people who aren't going like, well, I'm, I'm doing trap music to keep up with the genre. It's the people who are like, I'm just writing a great song and maybe right now it, it happens to be trap or like, I'm just writing music that I really love and I'm excited about and it isn't trap, but I'm going to push the, the envelope a little bit. And you know, it's the same way. Like I think that TV and Hollywood and everything, there's so many like I don't know. There's so many themes and stories that they feel like they they have to talk about or that are popular right now. Like I can't even name the amount of like post-apocalyptic spinoffs that came after the Hunger (laughs) Games, you know, like that there are like themes that people latch on to. 
And so in some ways, it's kind of comforting to know that that's not unique to Christian music. We all have things that we get stuck in that we need to disrupt. But I think that as Christians and as creatives, I think creatives especially fall into kind of the hipster mentality of like, well, this is this is mainstream, so this isn't cool or, you know, I, I, I don't like that because it's well, I don't know, whatever. I know that I fall into that a lot. Like if I hear too many people talking about a band, I'm like, well, I'm not listening to them. And that's so dumb because like (laughs) there's so many great bands out there that are actually super popular. And just because they're popular, I don't give them the time of day. And that's dumb. That's the way it was with Dave Matthews band, Dave Matthews band and Mumford and Sons. I couldn't stand either of them because everybody was like, they're the coolest. And I'm like, I don't hear it. I don't care. I'm doing my own thing. I'm going to listen to Thousand Foot Crutch and I'm going to listen to this rock. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And, and I think that like sometimes we as Christians, because I don't know this, I feel like this is going to go back to like middle school, Sunday school curriculum. <laughs> but, you know, the whole idea of like it's it's not cool to be a Christian. I think that that's a real thing that creatives, especially Christian creatives, have to grapple with because, uh, you know, that's not the point. The point isn't for us to be cool. I do think if we're creatives, we're called to make the best art that we can. That's honest to who we are and our faith. But I also think that that means that people have to lean in in Christian mediums because they're I, I don't know. I think that that sometimes even though there's still lots that needs to change in in Christian mediums like secular mediums, people shy away from from wanting to lean into that just because they think it would be like better or cooler if it was secular, which I don't think is always true. So that was a super long way to say, I agree with what you just said, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll take it. I'll take it. Cause uh, at the end of the day, you want to, you want to be taken seriously and not to say that Christian art isn't serious, but there is that line you have to walk because at some point someone is going to question your motives more so than than if you were doing it mainstream. If you weren't like on a platform, you weren't talking about faith, you were just like out there hustling, singing about, rapping about whatever, yeah. and you weren't attached to the church or, the, or Christianity, nobody would really care if you didn't like make that a thing. But suddenly you talk about, I'm a Christian artist, and that's a package, and everybody will question your intentions or your skill level. And, and again, I mean, I, I went through that too with, with Christian radio, my mom was like, oh, you're going to be a, you're going to broadcasting school. You're going to be a Christian radio host. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want that. I really didn't want to do that because one, it's limiting. It's, it's worthwhile doing what I do now. It's so worthwhile, but it was limiting and I could talk about, and I could be this other person outside of that. So you kind of have to walk mm-hmm. the line uh, w- once you've married yourself to that, that genre, that lifestyle or that label, you have to walk the line because at some point someone's going to start throwing shade or asking questions like, why, why are you doing what you do? And you, you're right. You hit the nail on the head with that cool comment. Like, is it cool to be a Christian? No, it's not cool to be a Christian. It's not supposed to be like, I don't (laughs) over the, over the weekend at church, like the pastor was talking about how God doesn't promise us this beautiful, easy life. It's quite opposite. He talks about how hard it's going to be. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's not cool. That's not cool. I don't want that. But then, uh, but then at the same time, like, on this side of heaven, we have to completely rely on him and everything. So it's just totally different than what we want it to be. And I find that throughout the Bible, every major story is so different from what that person thought it was going to be. David, 
Yeah. Uh, Paul, you look at, uh, I'm Peter. Everybody thought it was going to be something that it wasn't, but it's better than what we thought it was going to be. So I, I look at those guys and I go, they were screwed up. I'm good. <laughs> I can rest in his grace. So man, mm-hmm. I find myself getting more, I should just go back to school to, to be a pastor. I feel like I just start preaching. It's funny how that happens. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> I want nothing to do with that. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> Cause that's in real, in real life. That's probably the hardest job you could possibly have. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm a pastor's kid. So I, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> you see that firsthand for sure. So let's hard yeah. shift from a super serious conversation to a game. Hold the beef. In this game, you will have 30 seconds to name as many fast food restaurants that do not sell beef. Oh, go. Uh, Chick-fil-A, uh, taco time. Uh, I don't know. Taco John's. That's a thing, right? Uh, yes. Shoot. Um, none of these are going to be right except Chick-fil-A. Uh, why can't I think of anything else? Uh, I know Taco Bell sells beef, so that not that. Um, we don't have that many fast food restaurants in Seattle. It's all the big ones, um, that all sell beef. <laughs> oh, good Lord. I'm so frozen. I can't even, I can't even think everything like Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, that all it's all beef. I can only think of Chick-fil-A and Taco Time, and Taco Time might even sell beef. So I got one. <laughs> well, you definitely crushed one. Chick-fil-A most definitely does not sell beef. Yes. I think the other taco restaurant, uh, I think I'll give you that, give that to you. So two and thirty seconds. I'm really proud of you. Oh, well, thanks. It's hard because there's all these like really awesome chains like all the the chains that do chicken beside like we just got chick-fil-a in the northwest in the last three four years maybe and for a while the first one in bellevue was like the busiest chick-fil-a in the world because people were freaking out because we haven't had it ever so there's all these other great like raising canes that i know people freak out about and i'm like i don't even know what that is so that's my excuse (laughs) yeah no so i mean if you if you ever leave Seattle. You should try to find a, a raisin canes. Definitely worth. Uh, although I will say, I'm not sure how gluteny their their breading is, yeah. but I do know that they have like a gluten free option. So that's that's something. Oh, cool. That's worth checking out. Uh, and I only know that because I was on the keto diet for a little bit, and uh, I gotta have me some chicken. Yep, absolutely. Oh, does Subway do beef? Does that count as fast food? I feel like they don't do beef. I can't think of one thing that. Okay, so they have a roast beef sub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> this for all my side hustlers hustling. It ain't about the money and some it's puzzling. When they don't understand, you don't sweat it. Just get up and get it. Get, get up and get it on the side. The side hustle. Get up and get it. On the side. The side hustle. Sun's up, better wake up my sleepy head. Eyes shut, but I jump up and out of bed. Beat it the Just get up and get it. Yeah, get up. 
millennials are basically generation side hustle. Like everybody has like their main job that they take their salary from. And then everybody has a side thing. Most yep. of the side things are really annoying, like selling makeup or lotions or whatever on <laughs> Facebook or, Ooh, look at the, my hair. It's so much thicker. Well, I actually wanted to talk to you about some lotions that I'm, uh, <laughs> I've been using. <laughs> well, my elbows, man, on this, my podcast desk, they just get so itchy and dry. So I will, I will take that. I will listen to you because you're listening to me. Perfect. But no, seriously. So like everybody has a side hustle. And I feel like if you can keep your finger on the pulse of that kind of content, like that's just brilliant because we like, I drive for Uber on the weekends. Diapers are expensive. Mm -hmm. Like I connect with it is what I'm saying. Good. I'm glad. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Do you side hustlers or is music your side hustle? Music is my side hustle right now. I have a full-time gig at the university I graduated from. I work in the marketing department there and I do like copywriting. So it's kind of nice because writing is still my job. So it all kind of, I feel like when I'm growing in copywriting, it helps inform my lyric writing and stuff like that. So, and I have an awesome team and a great boss who is like very generous and uh, flexible with if I've got shows coming up or whatever. So it's definitely like Definitely the dream to have music be the only job someday, but I feel very content right now because I love my current job. So kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, that's super helpful. Do they ever bring back your copywriting and they're like, listen, Isaac, uh, this is your copy. It says, come to this school because you would be cool. Don't be a fool. <laughs> uh, okay, that's definitely I, not something you would do, but I'm just saying I was sitting here for the last 10 seconds going, this is going to be the best thing I've ever done. Dude, that was, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> Blew my mind. Are you a freestyler? Dude, I would love to tell you yes, but I think uh, because I started with folk music, folk music doesn't really lend itself to freestyle <laughs> battles. So, so I'm still learning. I, I try to, you know, like practice, like when I'm driving in the car sometimes, but I just like love listening to music so much that I get bored of like hearing myself. I'm like, I could listen to way cooler lyrics than what I'm making up on the fly right now you know like it, and it always ends up being about like trees on the side of the road it's like no one cares about the trees there's more going <laughs> on in life than the trees and passing it's the same trees I live in Washington there's lots of trees so it's just like <laughs> I don't know it's it's funny I'd like to develop that skill but also like whatever no one's no one's challenging me to any sort of freestyle rap so I shouldn't say that because then someone might challenge me I yeah. think I'm okay right now <laughs> So I've got uh, two things that I want to follow up on things that you just said. The first of those is uh, I got to go to Toby Mac's house for this thing a couple years ago. And it was one of the coolest experiences, like his lake house south of Nashville. We're just hanging out with this icon that I grew up just loving everything he did from the time he was in DC Talk to the time that he, he found who he was as Toby Mac. And uh, we're sitting on his back porch and a couple other, one of the guys that's on his labels, a rapper, and I can't think of his name, Aaron, oh, Aaron Cole. Cole. Yeah. So Aaron Cole sitting there and he's kind of like bumping on this stool beatbox thing. And so everybody's kind of like, it's, it's a bunch of radio people and we don't freestyle to save our lives. And so someone was like, oh, let's freestyle. Ha. And so a couple people were freestyling pretty pathetically. Uh, Aaron Cole <laughs> was doing phenomenally. It was fantastic. And then it came to me and I'd been working on something. I was like, I got to, I got to impress Toby Mac. And so I start throwing down some bars and he was like, ah, oh, no, 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 no. You were cooking that up, man. You are, you were working on that. It wasn't. And I was like, 
I just got called out by Toby Mac. I'm embarrassed. This is the worst thing ever. That's incredible. What a great story, though. I know. And then I found five dollars. Hey. And then the second half of that of follow up was you mentioned a few minutes ago about there not being any folk music freestyles. So for your folk project that you put out where you feature yourself, the music video needs to be you in a barn folk freestyling against Peabody. And man, I just think that this is this is just building itself into an amazing project that I'm so glad to have writing credits on and just get royalties on. I'm just so excited about this. Dude, well, we know it's either going to be amazing or like the worst thing ever. I feel like it's one of the two, but I feel like there's a lot of pressure on me. Like you threw out the idea, which is a good idea. It's just, dude, the execution could really go either way here. (laughs) (laughs) This is what you do because it's already worked out once. You just like, no, I've already got my thing that I'm doing semi-seriously and then just do this as a joke. And then, then someone's going to be like, oh, no, 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 that's what you got to do more of. Do that. And then two weeks later, you'll be in a different label and they'll be like, yes, we want to give you money to do this. So I'm just saying, it seems <laughs> <Perfect>. to be, <laughs> centricity awesome. is going to kill me. Sorry, Chris Love. <laughs> Chris, what a dude. Chris Love is awesome. No, I will, I will say this. I'll take this and I'm going to leave this in. I want him to hear this. Two years ago, right before Christmas, my kids got stupid sick before traveling uh, like five states away. And we posted some like sob story stuff on Facebook. And he was like, oh, dude, I'm going to, you let me know the night and I'm going to buy you dinner. And he bought us Panera bread and it was all ready. I went and picked it up. And it was just like the nicest gesture to go, oh, someone on social media's family is having a rough day. So I'm going to, I'm going to take care of you guys. So yeah, super nice guy. Uh, If I go to any radio stuff, I'll like, he's, he's the guy I want to hang out with. Absolutely. Yeah. He's just fun too. Chris. Yeah, so everybody listening right now, if you ever run into anybody named Chris Love, just be like, yes, this guy's got to be cool. Plus, it's a great name. So even if it's not the same Chris Love, he's probably cool. And the cool thing about having a name like Chris Love is you can be a jerk or you can be really nice. But either way, people enjoy that because they're like, you're a yep. jerk and you're Chris Love. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. That's really <laughs> funny. But then if you're, if you're nice and buy dinner for somebody across the country, it's just like the nicest thing that you're living up to. It's like, yes, you're, you're a real person. Yep. If it's my party, everybody is invited. This ain't a click or an in crowd. Ain't nobody getting left out. Everybody check your cool at the door. We don't care about your status. You don't need it anymore. Not everybody let loose on the floor. If you dance with the stars or if you never danced before. Listen, I have never been the best dancer anywhere. But I bet that I have more fun than anyone who cares. When everybody's dancing, no one's got the time to stare. No one's watching now, got dance like it. That's a dare. To clear the air, there's a voice in your head, admit it. Telling you to hold the wall up instead. I get it. But let me tell you something good about voices. Listening to them is only one of few choices. Nobody in this room dance like so make up your dope signature move If we all groove, we can make the whole earth shake Shout out to my saints, go ahead and take a praise break If it's my party, everybody is invited This ain't a click or an in crowd Copywriting and hip-hop artist, is that something you always wanted to do as you were growing up? Or did that just kind of all spur on later in life? I mean, I know the you wanted to do to do more folk music, but when you were a kid, what did you think you wanted to do? I always knew the goal was like music full time, but I'm also a very careful person. And so I got a degree in communication instead of, I guess, just music in general. I took all my electives in the recording program at my school and probably could have just done my whole major there and it would have 
been fine. But my both my parents were communication majors and my dad actually was a copywriter for a long time at an ad agency. So it's kind of funny that I <laughs> ended up copywriting. But yeah, I think I, I didn't have in mind like, oh, this is what I will do for my career. I think I was like, there are lots of things that I think I would enjoy in case music doesn't work out. And I think something I've wrestled with, not to get deep again, but like, oh. I don't know. I, I've, oh, I know deep. <laughs> Here we but go. I don't know, I've just been, I've just been wrestling with the idea of like calling. Cause I think that in 2019 America, a lot of times people are like, my calling is my career. And I'm not like refuting that and saying that's wrong, but I think that maybe calling is a broader term than that. Like I know for sure we're called to love people and to love God. And I think that the medium in which we do that as, as far as like, I don't know what our career looks like. I think sometimes that can be kind of interchangeable. So I feel like right now we're working towards music as being the way that I reach people and talk about God. And, and that's awesome. And I'm so grateful for it because it's a desire that I have and a, a passion of mine. And I think God put those things there, but also if someday down the line, if he's like, now you're going to be a pastor, <laughs> like I think I have to trust that he's going to either give me new desires so that it lines up with where he's calling me, or it's going to be like those music desires will be filled in a different way. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm just rambling, but I don't know. No, I, I feel just like, feel like, oh, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm sorry. You finish. you finished that thought. I don't know. Well, I'm mostly done. I just think it's an interesting thing to think about because like on the one hand that I don't say that to like undermine anyone who feels called to a particular line of work or is really good at something and knows God is leading them there. Like, yes, good. That's awesome and wonderful. But I do feel like our identity can get so tied up in our career it's like, well, really, yeah. your your calling isn't dependent on what you do because you are called to love people and to love God. And that is so much bigger than our jobs. And so um, I just feel like it can get real. I mean, it sounds hippie, but it can get real Americanized when there's so much pressure on our career being our calling, because I feel I feel more called to communicating well and encouraging people in general than I do just to doing that through music. So like, hopefully I'm doing that in the rest of my life. <laughs> and, uh, and if I'm not, and I'm just kind of putting on the face for music, then that's a problem. So anyways, I just think that's an interesting thing to think about. No, I, I completely agree. I think there is a confusion between like people will throw out God's will for my life and it has to, it almost always is tied up to career. Like God's yes. will for my life is to, you know, go here and do this. Yep. I, I read an article in Relevant Magazine a couple of years back, and this guy was talking about how he just went through a couple of seasons of life where he just didn't hear God. He just didn't, like, he didn't feel him. He was just, it was just mm -hmm. quiet, and it was scary to him. And so he thought, he's like, well, I'll just go, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I'll just go back and read the Bible, and anytime that God says, go do this, I'll write it down, and then I'll just try to work that into my life. And so he he's like, I finally quit after, like, 76 of take care of the poor, love the widows, take care of this, do that, take care of this. And he was yeah. like, man, God's will is for me to like check the box on all of those, not have a CEO position and drive a BMW. Um, yep. And I, th I think mm -hmm. you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head that we feel like God's will for our lives is this one track, one vein thing that if we don't hit, 
we couldn't possibly have a happy life if you just or or be used by yeah. God. You look at mm-hmm. um you look at Jonah for a second. The dude yeah. was told to go to Nineveh and just preach. And he was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. That's scary. And he ran away from God. So even in him running away from God, God put him in the belly of a fish, took him to where he needed to go. And he was like, okay, God, I'm going to do it. And still did it be- kind of begrudgingly because even after he told them what was going on, he was like, he went up on the hill and was like, okay, kill him, God. I told him I did my part. Now you do your part where you smoke them and, and yeah. no survivors. And God's like, no, no, I wanted to do this because I wanted them to change. I needed you to do that even in his stupidity and his arrogance and his defiance, God still used him for his purpose. So, and that's so beautiful. I just think it's so like, there's so much grace in that because on, on the one side, it's definitely easy to fall into the arrogance when you have the job of like, this is my calling. But I think there's also all this pressure, especially, you know, as, as someone who is just coming out of college and, it's so easy for that to turn into like, I'm not doing God's will for my life because I don't have this job yet, or I don't know what that is. And there's so much more room for, I don't know, to do different things and to try things. And I think God also sometimes, like for a long time when I was choosing on which college to go to, I was like, I want to know where God wants me to go. And my parents were kind of like, well, sometimes he says, I will bless it where, whatever you choose. These are both good things. I was choosing between two Christian schools that were very different, but had very awesome things about them that were totally different. And it's not like if I had picked the other school, like God would have been like, "Ah, you should have been, should have gone to this school. So I guess we're done here. Like, (laughs) you know, he's, he's so much bigger than that. And, um, do you know, you know, the pastor, uh, Eugene Cho, he's a Seattle guy. Yeah. I just heard him speak this last week in Seattle. And the thing that stuck with me the most, he was like, God's ability to use you is not dependent on you. God can do anything. And it's awesome when we submit ourselves to him because there's so many good things that can happen through that. But also he can do things. Even a pastor who's on stage, who's preaching something may say something that he didn't have in his notes that he thinks in his mind, like, Oh, that wasn't in my notes, but someone in the audience totally needed to hear it. Gar can do anything. So I think there's there's just so much grace in being like, oh, man, like having a good career is awesome. But God can do whatever he wants, whether or not I have the job that I went to college for. So man, I'm just grateful for that. No, his grace is amazing. And I feel like we forget how powerful and how real it is every day. Yeah. And we keep we keep going back to that place where it's like, OK, I made I made this decision it worked out. This must have been God's will. And so I will put just as much stress on the next decision because I don't want to be out of God's will. In all reality, like God has given us desires and passions and talents. And I yeah. really don't, unless, unless you feel so strongly and he's made it very obvious in other ways that what you're chasing is wrong. I think there's nothing wrong with, with kind of what you said, where God just kind of gives us this moment where it's like, you decide. I, I heard somebody say the other day where it's like, I'll take my kid to the toy store. I'll kind of give them a range of things that they can get. And I'll go, you choose. Like, what do you want? I want them to have that thing. I want them to enjoy that thing. And I want them to pick the thing that will bring them enjoyment. And I feel like God does that for us in a lot of ways. Sometimes it's, he's very obvious and very specific with what he wants for us at a certain Mm -hmm. season. But I think by and large, if we're going back to what are very clear commands in the Bible, loving our neighbor as ourself in taking care of the widows, taking care of the poor, like legitimately doing that, then we're not like, we're not going to have, 
want for anything. And even if it's yeah. not what we feel like it should be, it's going to be what we need and not mm-hmm. specifically what we want. So I think you hit the nail on the head with trying to figure out God's will for my life. It's, it's already, it's been, it's been laid out pretty obviously what God wants for you. And that's to yeah. share about his unconditional love. That's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. I think everything else is just kind of like, it's a rat race that we're like, well, what do I, you know, where, where am I going to be putting these, these marks on the wall for all the things that I've done in my calling, in my, in my career, in my, sure. you know, yeah. in my God's willness. Totally. Some deep thoughts, man. I'm, I'm going to re, uh, I'm going to reconsider everything I've ever done in my entire life after this conversation. Dude. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what I came in here to do. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you're doing some touring with social club misfits mm-hmm. when you're out on the road on, on tours like that. Like, what do you, what meals do you have to have? Obviously limited because of the gluten thing, but do you have like a a gluttonous thing that you're just like, mm-hmm, I'm going to eat that while I'm out. <laughs> oh man. Well, it's, uh, it's funny you ask. Cause so we just wrapped up tour actually. And a lot of this is, is pretty new to me. Mostly in this last year, I've done a lot of one-off dates. So it's been a lot of traveling still, but it's been like fly in, do the show, fly out the next day, just like lots of whirlwinds like that. So these strings of like two or three or six or whatever shows, that's that's a new experience. So I'm definitely finding like the whole West Coast and pockets of the East Coast and the South actually are all pretty good at, at doing gluten free food. And I have like not liked Whole Foods for a long time because it's so expensive. But when I'm like just looking for something that I can actually eat, Whole Foods is like my go to. I definitely end up eating like so much Chick-fil-A when I'm on the road because <laughs> they do gluten-free really well. And so I, it's just like a safe place to eat, but I don't know that I have my super, like, I have to have this spot yet. And part of that's because like this last trip with social club, like we played the first show and then the next afternoon I was like throwing up in a bathroom, <laughs> like on the way to the next <laughs> venue. Cause I had a couple shows like the day before the first one of tour that was separate from social club stuff. And I had just been like eating junk food and not really being careful about what I was eating. And so I didn't have any gluten, but I was just kind of being careless with what I was eating. So I ended up being very, very careful the rest of tour and and not doing anything. (laughs) I I ate very bland food the rest of tour. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny because, you know, people, you know, you hear about like rock star lifestyles where like people are getting sick on the road and stuff. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, but I didn't even do any like drugs or anything i just like (laughs) and i'm not saying i want to but i'm just saying like somehow i still got the horrible piece of that even though i'm i'm avoiding it and i was like that's not that's not right that's not how it's supposed to be yeah they're like uh peabod's in the bathroom puke and what did he have last night pizza (laughs) yeah carbs they're like oh uh that's that's horrible (laughs) is he okay not drugs not alcohol but no carbohydrates yep exactly well and then maybe hopefully you subscribe to the podcast because you really like it and or share it on social media both goes a long way and if you're going that far maybe rate the podcast and or leave a a positive happy encouraging comment wherever you're listening and of course follow on social media search hot takeout pod on instagram facebook and twitter because i want to give stuff away and uh, the best way to do that is find on social media and follow so you know when that's happening of course a big thanks
Thanks to Chris Love from Centricity Music. Thanks for letting me play the songs on this podcast. Make sure you listen next week for the rest of the point five of the episode. If you listen at the beginning, it makes sense. I'll wrap up my conversation with Peabod then. And lastly, seriously, thanks so much for listening. I'm Bob. No way that. <laughs>